Welcome to the Hope Elam Podcast. We are a diverse church in the heart of Des Moines, seeking to bring God's kingdom as we live more like Jesus. We hope that what you're about to hear points you to Jesus Christ. Know that we're praying for you and look forward to connecting with you soon. It is well. Amen. It is well. My knees don't really work the way they used to, uh, but it is well. My eyes are not what they used to be, but it is well. The housing that you might live in, the space that you might be in, the the car that you drive may not be exactly what you want, but it is well. My mom and my daddy has gone on to be in glory and to be with the Lord, but I'm telling you with my soul, it is well. When I think about what I used to be and the things I used to do and where I came from, you can't tell it like I can tell it. But all you need to know that it, it's well. Let us pray. God, we love you. We thank you. We give you all glory, all honor, all praise. God, we thank you for who you are. God, thank you for having all power in your hands. Lord God, we thank you for just being the one who picked me up, woke me up this morning. God, you gave me a reasonable portion of health and strength, God. We thank you for, God, all you've done and all you continue to do. God, we thank you for not only what you've done, God, but the promises you've given us, God. You say you would never leave us or forsake us, that God, no, no depth, no height, no thing that was or is could ever separate us from your love, God. So we just give you glory. Bless the time now that we shall share together, God. I pray for that one who walked in this place, the one who came looking for one thing, God. Just manifest yourself in such a way that you would be easy to find but hard to forget. For the preaching of the gospel is to some foolishness. But unto those who are saved, it is the power of God. God, hide me behind the cross that they might see all of you and none of me. I pray that all that I say and do, God, will be to your glory. Thank you for being with us. God, Emmanuel, thank you for being God with us. We need you, God. How about a rhema word? Somebody need a rhema. Some, somebody hit your target this morning. Open us up. Fillet our hearts. Whisper in our ears. Take us by the hand. Lead us and guide us. Order our steps in your word. Uh, in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. 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 If you come to get a word from the Lord, can you just say amen? Amen. amen. I'm in the right house. Amen. I'm in the right house. Uh, what is it that causes us to 
be intrigued, enticed, drawn away by the things of this world. What is it that we keep seeking after, keep, keep going after, keep, keep looking for, longing for, that is a part of this world? Why is it that we often seek the things of, God, of this world more than we seek the things of God? Why is it a man or a woman would have a good marriage, fine home, a nice job, great kid, good health, money in the bank, but yet be drawn away by something temporary. We'll put all of that on the table just because we think the grass might be greener on the other side. Spend all your time chasing after, and God blesses you so that you can be in relationship with someone who's amazing, but then something walk across the, across our eyes, and we'll be drawn away. What is it that draws us to the things of this world? I believe that there's something within, and I want to talk about it this morning. We've been doing this uh, Ten Commandments in nine weeks. We're on the Tenth Commandment, amen, that, that we're going to talk about covet. But before we talk about covet, I want to talk about something within. Because the thing I want to talk about is in all of us. Listen, it's a matter of the heart. What are you struggling with this morning? If you examine your heart, what is it? Is drawing you away from the things of God. Because as soon as we go after that thing, the enemy is slick. He wants everything opposite of God. If God says, thou shalt not covet, the first thing he wants us to do is to covet. The first thing he wants us to do is to set our eyes on the things of this world. What you struggling with this morning? Hope you learn. Listen, my God be praised. If we can walk out of here today and understand the struggle that there is something within all of us, and it's sin. The moment Adam sinned and there was a fallen world, all of us who come in that lineage, all of us who come behind, we're wrapped up in this sinful nature, our fleshly nature. It's a part of who we are. Romans 3.23 says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 5 and 8, Colette, it says to us that God commended, he proved his love towards us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. Yes, we're wrapped up in the sinful nature, but the only way we're going to overcome, the only way we can fight is that we have the Spirit of God. It was expedient. It was necessary. Though Jesus was walking in his earth and ministry doing all kind of good, healing the sick and, and, and making the blind to see, he said, it's expedient. It's necessary that I go away. Because when I go away, my father will send back a comforter. He will send back an advocate. The Holy Ghost will come and take residence inside your heart. Because he knew that there was something within. Listen, if you're here this morning, you're not struggling with something, there's a problem. Listen, when there's struggle going on in our hearts, 
that's evidence that the Spirit of God dwells there. Because it's the Spirit of God that, that fights against our fleshly nature. There's an ongoing warring that's happening in our flesh. We all struggling with something. I won't talk about it. I've mentioned it a few times before about this sinful nature, but, but we're going to shame the devil. Amen. We're going to try to get into it and pull back the layers and look. Listen, not me to you, for us. Examine yourself. Matthew 6, 19. It tells us, don't store up treasure on the earth. That moth can come and eat it and, and, and rust can destroy it and, and thieves can come and steal it. He says, store up treasures in heaven. He says in verse 22, he says, look, the eye, listen, Hopilum, the eye is the lamp to the body and it gives light unto the body. And if the eye is healthy, the body, the entire body is healthy. But if the eye is dark, if the eye is evil, the entire body is evil. What are you looking at? What is it that we're casting our eyes on? What is it that we're paying attention to? What are we looking at? Cut your eyes. The moment you know and we know there's some things we ought not be looking at, some things we ought not be doing, some places we ought not be going. But it starts by looking and then perceiving and being desirous. Cut your eyes. He goes on to say, look, we can't serve two. Can't serve two masters. Either we're going to love one, hate the other, despise one. Love. We can't serve two. So then he goes, don't worry about what you're going to put on. Don't worry about, he says, if anything, stop worrying and, and coveting and looking at things that you ought not be paying attention to and put your confidence in me. So let's talk about it. All right. The 10th commandment, how do we live life? Don't covet. But we, just like we peel back the layers about uh, thou shalt not kill, and we know that anger is the precursor to killing, just like we peel the layers back on so many of the, of the Ten Commandments that there's so much more. Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I didn't come to take the law away. I came to fulfill it. He gave us a more understanding of what the law was entailing. And it's more than what we see. There's more than coveting. What you looking at? He says, look, don't covet your neighbor's house. Be content with where you're at. It doesn't mean we can't strive, we can't push, we can't press to be in a place better than where we are. But we can't look at it as if that's going to make us more than, than what we really are. He says, don't covet your neighbor's house. I'm going to drop it in right here. Listen, all you need is what you got. And all you got is what you need. If we can get that in our spirit. Because what the enemy wants us to do, he wants us to cast our eyes on each other's stuff and compare ourselves to each other so that, how you get that? What they, I want that. No. He says, all you need is what you got. And all you got is what you need if you got Jesus. So don't covet your neighbor's wife. Some of us, we have some, some smart, 
faithful, dedicated, fine, whatever, why? Some of we have some strong men, men who are integrous, men who will stand up when it's time to stand up. But soon as something catches our eye, and I stop by to tell somebody, cut your eyes. Why? Okay. Enemy wants the opposite of God. He wants us to covet, to long for the things of this world. The enemy wants us to like pet after, to like, oh, I can't wait. That's the thing that consumes me, that just wants us to long for, an appetite and a hunger for the things of this world. And can I just share it? Anything that we do that we covet after of this world can only be temporary. It can only fulfill a small portion of who we are. The enemy wants us to set our hearts upon the things we cannot have. What are you seeking after? What do you want from God? What what are you desirous of? The enemy wants us to lust after worldly possessions. He wants us to crave after and to delight in something that is forbidden. Come on, let's do a self-examination. It's it's a matter of the heart. Here's the thing about covet and coveting. We can try. We can put on trial. We can examine whenever there's one of the other commandments. You know, if you stole or not, if you, you, you honored your mom and dad or not, did you kill or not. But coveting is happening on the inside. I am, you are responsible for being accountable to your coveting. God knows, but if you are there and there's something that is being drawn away, you know it's not right because the spirit that dwells in you is telling you it's not right. Cut your eyes. Hate the devil because he comes at us the same way every time. He knows where we struggle and he puts the same little enticement in front of us and I'll be doggone. Well, let me stop. I'll be something else. Why do we keep falling for the same thing? We have victory. Can I just say this and I'm going to get on where I'm going. Even though we have victory, even though God brings us out, even though there are mountaintop experience, even though he heals our body, the sin nature remains. All right, when we covet, we crave. Crave, we, 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 we have an urge or an appetite. When we crave, there's something that we're, there's a strong desire that we have for something when we crave it. What are you desiring? What is, what are you, what are you excited about and desiring? And if there's something that is not of God, the moment you crave, crucify it. Because the moment you crave, if you don't crucify, it's going to lead to a crisis. We're going to talk about it. But if we don't crucify it at the crave, we're going to get to a place where there's a crisis. And I want somebody to know, what does it mean to crucify the flesh? Let's talk about it. Galatians 2.20, Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith because of the love of God who gave his son for me. Galatians 2.20. 
So when we crucify the flesh, that means we die with Christ of our old man, of our old conversations, of our old way of thinking, of the old way of doing things. When Christ comes on the scene, we are a new creation with new thoughts and new possibilities. So we're constantly dying to our old self. We have to crucify our fleshly nature and walk in the newness of life. To crucify means to nail it to the cross. So even though coveting starts as a crave, we have to crucify it at the desire. If we don't crucify it and deal with it at the desire, we start to consider the thing we've been desiring. And if we start to consider it, we're plotting, we're planning, we're scheming, we're working it out. Oh, we're good. We're good at getting with the things that we crave. We're good at getting the things that we want. So this moment it goes beyond a crave and it goes to a consideration, it's on our way to a crisis. And somebody right now, I ask the question, what are you considering? What is it in our hearts and our flesh? You know, you know it's not going to be no cheese down that tongue. You know it's not going to lead to anything. We know it, but we crave it. We've been coveting it. I want that job. I want how do they get that job? I want that power. I want that ability. I want that this. I want that that. I'm going to say it again. We can pursue anything in Christ. As long as the thing that we're pursuing, it's not going to be above the love that we have for him. That we first start with a relationship and love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength. And if we love him like that, don't you know the earth is the Lord's? The fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. That anything you need, God's got it. If you need a bigger house, God's got it. If you need more money, God's got it. If you need all your health to be restored, God's got it. But the moment we start to crave that thing that's not like him, the enemy is so slick. And the moment we consider it, it won't be long. We're going to do it. It's going to be part of our conduct. Because the enemy wants to separate us from God. And the moment we do it, boom, we isolate because we're shame and we're guilty and we don't want nobody to know. And because we isolate, we end up doing it again. And because we're doing it again, we feel the guilt and the weight of shame and it becomes a habit. It started with the crave. We didn't crucify it at the crave. We didn't crucify the consideration. Now we're doing it. We didn't go back and fall on our face and say, God, please take away this thing. We didn't put other individuals on the side of us to hedge us in so we can walk more accountable. No, we isolated because it felt good. Can I just say this? Nothing can complete us except an almighty relationship with an almighty God. When we covet, we crave. When we crave, then we start to consider. When we consider, we start to do. When we do, it becomes commonplace. And all of a sudden, we're in a crisis. Enemy don't want us to be content. He wants us to covet. Not only that, when we covet, we're confused. When we covet, we're confused. It's like Paul struggled with this too. He said, well, the good that I want to do, I don't do it. And the thing said, I don't, I'm not going to do I find myself doing it. I said, I'm finding that I'm doing the thing that I hate. He said, well, what is that? Like, and so because of this guilt and shame, he said, like, I'm coveting, but I don't want to covet. I don't want to think about it. So what is it? It's the sin nature. Ah. The only way we overcome is the spirit of God. 
The only way we overcome the addiction, the only way we overcome is that God will be able to come alive in our hearts, that, that the war in between our flesh and our spirit, we got to be able to walk in the spirit so we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. How are we going to make it without Jesus? Even when we're winning, we got to be on guard. It's confusing. Paul, the apostle Paul, a Pharisee. Paul studied under Gamaliel, who was a doctor of the law, taught Paul. Paul had the law in his hand. He had the law in his head, but he didn't have it in his heart. It wasn't until he saw the command, thou shalt not covet, that sin was revealed. We got to understand, he saw it. It came across his eyes, but it wasn't until it got real deep and opened up in his heart that it opened his eyes. The reason why the law is so good and so important because the law of God is a schoolmaster. And it brings us to understand that we need a relationship with an almighty God. That's why the law is there. The law uh, is a mirror. It's a mirror of God and a mirror for us. It's a mirror of God because the law is holy. It's set apart. The law is of God because the law is righteous. How do I know? It came from a holy God. It came from an almighty and righteous God. And the law is spiritual. The law has been given to us as a reflection so that we can see ourselves of when we err. If it wasn't for the law, we wouldn't know that we need repentance. We wouldn't know that we need Christ. Paul said it was the law that finally when it got into my heart, it opened up my eyes and my ears so that now I realize that I'm in a state of death. What was supposed to be good, the law, brought about spiritual death, a good thing, because now we know we need Jesus. But it's confusing because as much as we overcome, we still got to deal with the sin nature. So get it. It's there. Paul says, uh, I find in me that there is no good thing, that even when I attempt to do good, evil is always present. For we know that the law is spiritual. But I am, we are carnal. Carnal is fleshly. Sold under sin for that which I do, I allow not. What I would, that I do not. But what I hate, that do I. Paul, we're talking about Paul. You don't think we're going to struggle? It's confusing when we covet. But it starts at the crave. When we covet, it leads to condemnation. When we covet, we're condemning ourselves. When we allow ourselves, when we don't cut our eyes, when we go for it, when we stay in that state, in that position, we're condemning ourselves. We're on our way. How do I know? And before this verse, Jesus says, God says, look, I, God does not tempt anyone with evil. Then it says, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow and to fester and to, to not be dealt with, to not to be crucified, it grows and it births death. 
The devil wants us to covet by just starting with our desires. He wants us to, to dwell on the things of this world. He wants us to go after the money and all the possessions. Can I just say this? Like, oh, my goodness, Jesus. Jo- Joshua 7, verse 21, it talks about Achan. Achan, as they fought the battle and they won the battle, and God said, destroy everything, similar to Saul. Achan, in Joshua 7, it was when, though, he saw the Babylonian blanket and he saw the 200 shekels of silver and the 50 shekels of gold. He's like, why should I throw that away? So he coveted it and then he took it. It started because he saw it, he coveted it, and then he took it. Crucify the crave at the crave. The enemy wants us to covet, but God be praised, crucify the flesh, and let's just go for it. Galatians 5, 17, the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. The spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. There's an ongoing battle. They are in conflict with each other so that you are, we are not to do whatever we want to do. Anybody here like, why do I keep doing the same thing? Got to have Jesus. Got to know, got to know that the Spirit of God, once you're a believer, embodies, dwells, rests in your hearts. We become that place where the Spirit of God rests and resides. Whether it is stirred up in you or not, it's there. It's that one saying, don't go there. Don't do that. Don't answer that phone. Don't take that. Don't say that. It's there. But to crave. I told somebody earlier, Dermot, I said, God's got to vote. You got to vote. No, God's got to vote. The devil's got to vote. We break the tie. What are we going to do? We know he hates us. He wants to separate us from God. Instead of covet, God wants us to be content. God says, look, how do you live life? Don't covet. Trust God and be content. Pastor John talked about it last week. Contentment. All you need, somebody help me, is all is what you got. And all you got is what you need. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, for they will soon be cut down like the grass. Sometimes we fret over stuff. Why does it seem like the wicked prosper? Why does it seem like the righteous suffer? Why? Ask those questions, but whatever your lot, be content. For God I'll live and for God I'll die. Contentment says, yeah. Contentment says, God, I'm going to trust your word. In your word, you said that I'm the head and not the tail. God, I'm above and not beneath. In your word, you said nothing shall separate us from the love of God. God, in your word, you said the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and the world that, they, that dwell therein. God, in your word, you said if I delight myself in the Lord, he's going to give me what I desire. But the desires have to be of God. God is not a genie in a bottle. If we delight in him, he's going to give us whatever we want. God wants to delight and give us the desires that are desiring him. If you want to covet something, covet more peace. Cover more love, cover more understanding, cover more long suffering. But the goal is to be content. When we're content, we're more confident. 
We know who we serve, that even when we struggle, even when the desire comes and we begin to crave, we know greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We know that we can say, uh, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. We know there's power in the, in the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. At the name of Jesus, even the crave, even the addiction, even the thing that we've been struggling with all our life. So he says, more confidence. There's no lack. There's no loss. There's no limit. When we have confidence in God, David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I don't have any wants. He's the one leading me. He leads me beside still waters. He make me lie down in green pasture. He leads me in the path of righteousness, even in death, even when I lose my mama and my daddy. He says, I'm with you. I'll never leave you. That's confidence that comes with being content of who we are in Jesus. What does Paul say? Paul says, I am not saying this because I am in need. Paul says, for I have learned to be content no matter my situation. But he said, I've been in need before. There's been some times in my life I didn't know how I was going to make it. I wonder, is anybody here this morning that has a need that you know that, man, that if God don't move, it's going to be hard. And maybe you're here today and you've had a need and you like Paul, you know, but you had confidence. You were content that God, whether he, he did or he didn't, up or down, that you was going to hold on to his unchanging hands. That there was a confidence that said, look, if God can't do it, it can't be done. That there was a confidence that said, look, is there anything too hard for God? Even when you have need, there's a confidence that lets you walk by the spirit and not by the flesh. He says, look, Paul said, I know what it is to be in need. He said, don't get it twisted. I, I've been, Paul went through it. But then he says, I know what it is to have plenty. I know what it is to be full. I know what it is to, to overcome and be on a mountaintop. God, he said, I know all of that, the valley and the mountain. He says, but I have learned the secret to being content. And by the way, it's not desiring something of this world. The secret that's being exposed is right here. He says, in any and every situation, whether I'm fed, hungry, whether I live in plenty or no, he says, I know that I can do all things through Christ. I can do all these things that if I have a lot, if I have a little, I can make it because of Christ. That no matter what my situation is, whether it looks dire today or great tomorrow, he said, I'm going to be content and confident in the God that I serve. So then he says, look, when we're content in God, we are complete. Not only are we confident, we're complete. We're made whole. You know what? Most of us throughout our lives, we are chasing Something to fill. Because of our sin nature leaves a void, we're searching for something of this world to fill that void. Alcohol, pornography, whoremongering, you name it. All the stuff. And for a while, it feels good, but then it goes away because it can't fill that hole. The only thing that can complete us as a child of God is the Spirit of God. The only thing that can really make us come full circle is the, is the things of God. And that's what completes us. Timothy said, godliness, coming to church, being a small group, 
chasing after God. Godliness, uh, figuring out a way that I can get up and do a devotion, I can pray. Godliness, figuring out where I can guard my heart because I know there's something in me that I know I need to be aware of and I keep calling on the Spirit. Godliness with contentment is great gain. All you need is what you got. And all you got is what you need. If we just have the basics, food and clothing, we good. But God is the kind of God, he's got so much more. The job that you want, yes, but don't covet it. Pray for it. Philippians, Philippians 4, 6, it says, look, he says, um, ask God for all the stuff that you have need. Pray, say, ask for anything, pray for everything. But then he goes on to say, look, uh, thank God for what he's done. And praise his name, and it will give you peace. And the peace he's going to give you is make no sense. he gives you a peace that surpasses all understanding. Then it goes on in verse 8. He says this. He says, look. He says, if you're going to think about anything, fix your mind on this. Think on the things that are um, true. Think on those things that are honorable. Think on those things that are just and are lovely and of a good report. He says, if there be any virtue, if there's any kind of praise, that's what we think about. That completes us. All right. The enemy wants us to covet. God wants us to be content. We're content when we have confidence in God. We're content when we get to a place where we know that God is the one who's keeping us and we can't keep ourselves. And so not only that, but when we're content, we're comfortable. Not in a sense of, like, complacent, but in a sense of... Um, blessed assurance. It's like when you know experientially that you're good. Like when you're content, it's not because you don't desire to have more and to be all that God has created you to be. Because that which God has began, he will bring it to completion. But what the, the covet brings a problem because it draws us away from God. When we're content with God, no matter up or down, we can be comfortable and know that we have the blessed assurance of God. That, that we have comfort in knowing that he's our daddy. We have comfort and we understand that God is there for us. And so when we're content, we begin to trust God. We begin to understand when we're content. Um, we trust God with all of our heart and we lean not to our own understanding, but in all of our ways we acknowledge him and he should direct our path. When we, when we trust him and we become content, we really do know him. as Jehovah Jireh because we call upon him when we have need. We trust him for it. When we are comfortable in him, the Hebrews, it says here, keep your lives free from the love of money. Not like we don't need it, but the love of it. Coveting is like a root. It's a root because it begins with the crave, but, but, but because it's a root, it brings on all kind of other evil desires. Because if we're going to covet and get that thing, we're probably going to lie about it. We're probably going to hide it. We're probably going to be stealing something. We're probably going to be taking. It's a root. So be content with what you have. Because God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We can have it at some point. <laughs> There's a promise. There are promises that God gives all of us. We can't earn it. It's not because we do so much of the good thing that God says, oh, you can come in. 
God says, while you were yet saying, crucify him, give us Barabbas. When the people were saying to, like, he said, I died for you. He says, all I want you to do is understand the law is, is a school. We need Jesus. We need a relationship with an almighty God and begin to grow and to walk in the newness of life. We've got to say, like Ephesians 4, it says, look, concerning the former conversation of the old man, we have to have a renewing of our, of our mind and then we put on the new man, the new woman, the new person. And then we're slowly taking the walk of death, crucifying that old person as we become new in the newness of life with the spirit of God. It's an ongoing battle, but I'm here to tell you. That if the spirit of God, if, if a relationship with an almighty God, with Jesus is not a part of your life, how are you going to work? How are you going to do it? How are you going to make it? The enemy is too clever. It's hard enough as it is. All right. We're going to. Please know. Read, read Romans 8. There's no condemnation. We win. The law died when Christ was crucified. We're no longer under the letter of the law. We're under the grace and the mercy of an almighty God. We win. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Free yourself up. All is well. With your soul. As long as your soul belongs to him. Enemy can't stand us. This is his world. This is the prince of this world. God's got a new place, a a home not made with hands. He says, uh, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Because in my daddy's house, there are many God, Basically, all we need, God's got it. All right, there is something within, but I don't want to dwell on the covet. The something within that I want to dwell is about the spirit of God that lives inside of you. There is something within. And I thank God that everything we need, God's got it. We're going to do this one more time. I don't know. All you need and all you got. Devil is, is he shame. We gave him a black eye today because uh, we know John 8. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. John 8 says, uh, You will know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. God is an awesome God. And I thank him for who he is because he's Jehovah Jireh. He's going to provide everything we need. Amen. Amen. Seek ye not, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all you have need, it will be added unto you. Amen. 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 Before they come, let me just say it one more time because this is going to be appropriate with the song. All you need is what you got. And all you got is what you need. Amen?
Thanks so much for joining us. To find out more about Hope Elam, follow us on Instagram at hope.elam or visit our website at hope.elam.org.